Welcome to ASM Connected, the podcast brought to you by ASM Technologies. Across the series, we explore the emerging trends and tech and meet key speakers, futurists and business leaders from across the globe. In this episode, ASM Technologies' Stephen Dale talks through innovation and emerging tech with Caitlin Lewis, the founder and managing director of Supplier Day. Caitlin discusses the different attitudes to innovation from large companies and startups, the mindset that companies need to develop internally to be agile, and the one company that we should be looking at as a great example of tech innovation in the next few months. All of that to come on ASM Connected. So today I'm pleased to be joined by Caitlin Lewis. Caitlin is the founder and managing director of Supplier Day. Welcome to the podcast, Caitlin. Thank you so much, Steve. You really seem to be gaining that momentum as a entrepreneur and a business owner. And I know a lot of people in the sort of procurement technology sector have started to talk about and see you as that influencer. So how does that feel? Is it something that's been building or has it been quite sudden for you? It feels really good, if I'm honest. And to answer your question, you know, I think it's been something that's been building for quite some time now. And, you know, I'll tell you that there were really times where I felt like I was struggling to determine exactly what it was that Supplier Day could say we did, what value it was that we were bringing to our customers. And it was really around the time that we started working with, I'd say, our first three customers that I was able to put in sort of precise words exactly what it is that we did and the value that we brought. So for me, it's a culmination of, I guess, that test and learn environment that is so tangible when you are in a startup around knowing that you want to really work towards achieving your vision but playing around a little bit with exactly how you do that and what it is that you do to get there. So it's very rewarding to me to be where I am at the moment, where I feel like I'm starting to know a bit more around that. And to be honest with you, it's also a great confidence booster, not only for me as a leader, but also for the company. There's nothing like a pat on the back, is there, to spur you along? Absolutely. (laughs) And you've touched on, obviously, that approach of sort of test and learn. We'll come to it a little bit later, but there's a nod there definitely to the agile approach. And obviously, as as an entrepreneur and a startup, that really does come into play. It kind of leads us nicely into innovation. And from what you've said there of how you've been introducing and talking about Supplier Day, based on some of the conversations you've had and what I've seen, I... I sort of really started to think of it in a, in a different way when I first looked at it as another communications platform. And I really started to think about it in terms of surfacing innovation. That I think is a fantastic overriding view of how it works. And it really ties into the questions that I wanted to ask you today. To get into that innovation piece, your background, I know you've worked for um, big companies like Unilever. I know you've studied innovation in big companies. And then you suddenly become this sort of startup entrepreneur as well. And it's fantastic for you to have both sides of the coin in terms of seeing what innovation looks like. So I wanted to ask you, how do the attitudes towards innovation in general differ between the big company and and the small companies? Yeah, I mean, you know, the entire basis of my career is in startups. Up until I joined Unilever, 
I think that was in 2017, I had only ever worked in startups and generally around the seed and series age. And when you're in a startup, you just do what needs doing. You're not really thinking about how you're going to do it or putting specific names around it. It's just, okay, how do I get to the next point? And then I joined Unilever and they specifically contacted me to join them because they wanted people who had startup experience and could help them transform their culture and bring in a little bit of that entrepreneurial mentality. And it was actually a really eye-opening experience for me, first and foremost, because I just don't think that I ever had any concept of how large organizations can get. Literally, I was going from, you know, startups of five people teams, the largest startup I had worked at was 20 people. And then I was working in my team at Unilever, which was 20 people, (laughs) you know, and that was one single team. The second element where I learned a lot, and I think was then able to really find my feet as a practitioner of innovation was that I suddenly realized that the things that I had always been doing in startups had names and they had frameworks and there were actual schools of thought around them. So things like agile, you know, things like stand-ups and scrums and sprints and all of that kind of methodology, I suddenly realized existed. But for me, up until that point, it was just the things that I did in order to do my job. And I think that that's the biggest difference in mindsets between large companies and startups. You don't get so caught up in how are we going to do this and we need an official framework to know how to approach this thing in startups, which in corporates they do. They want to embed a lot more of the process, I guess you can say. So that was really fascinating for me. It's a really unusual sort of approach. It's a great journey. I didn't know that that was why Unilever brought you in, but well done to them for identifying the benefits of bringing someone in with that startup entrepreneurial attitude. And I guess you were less tarnished by all that process and sort of compliance that often stifles big companies in terms of innovation. What I'm taking again from what you said there is within the startup mentality, that innovation probably exists. It's actually everyday part of your thought process. If you're not not doing something innovative, it's probably not going to work. But maybe we're just not recognizing it and calling it innovation, unlike the bigger companies that, as you said, have got a name for it. So, you know, maybe it's just not recognized and talked about in the same way. Maybe that's something that uh, as an industry, we can all look to change and bring the best of the big companies into small and and vice versa. Do you think it could go both ways? 100%. You know, I, I think for me, really what innovation comes down to is curiosity and not accepting the status quo. It just so happens that the kinds of people that join startups are the ones that are curious and are always wanting to understand how things work. And that goes hand in hand with not accepting the status quo, because once they understand, oh, okay, that's how it's done right now, but I actually think that we can do it better and let's improve on this, that that's where the innovation happens, right? And exactly as you say, sometimes it's just in the way that startups work that is innovative. And as a result of that, they also produce innovative products or services. 
And I think that that's potentially what big corporates struggle to wrap their heads around because they do want more of the process compliance side of things. And look, they need it. And that was a big learning curve for me. It was just, you cannot operate in the same way that a startup does when you are working in such large organizations. There has to be some sort of order to things and standardization to a certain degree too. Um, But then to your point, you know, yes, startups could absolutely benefit from a little bit of that order and actually a little bit of that access to some of the frameworks and the processes. Like I said, you know, I didn't even know that I was doing Agile until I joined Unilever. I feel like a little bit of training around that could have really helped me if I had had access to it earlier on in my career. I look forward to sort of seeing what that looks like in future in terms of blending the two different approaches. And I I can see that sort of common sense or the common sense approach that entrepreneurs take is something that could be beneficial to the bigger companies. I know you spoke Mm -hmm. about common sense quite a lot in the past. So, uh, yeah, I I think that's a, a good area to focus on. Moving from innovation into ecosystems, and I know the two are tied together because from what you've said before, you sort of need one to achieve the other and and they go hand in hand. But I feel as if the ecosystem word, it's getting very overused and people have got different definitions of, of what it means. So for myself working in the sort of IT channel, I see it as just a simplistic way of describing the relationships, that the fact that the relationships are different from how they used to be. I've got a vision of like a mesh type structure. It is quite chaotic, but it's more accurate than the old fashioned linear view of how relationships were achieved. So that that's just what I think of it. What does it mean to you in relation to the work that you're doing? I, look, I think you're spot on with that. And um, so when you were talking about how I studied innovation, I specifically actually studied ecosystems as part of my MBA at Warwick Business School. And I was inspired to do so because whilst working at Unilever, I was so, I guess, surprised by how dependent they were on external organizations to get anything done and specifically in relation to innovation. So I decided then to look at Novartis, Vodafone and Unilever and what their different ecosystems looked like and how they were building programs to actually champion ecosystem approaches. And if I'm really honest, you know, whilst I was doing this research, I I really battled with, I guess, exactly what you're saying, which is, are ecosystems really something new or are they just another buzzword and we're kind of rebranding things like alliances, things like open innovation, things like, you know, uh, strategic partners? After my research, I came out with my own criteria for what does and doesn't an ecosystem make. And so where I got to with that was, first and foremost, the kinds of relationships that you have in ecosystems are multilateral, where when you look at things like alliances or partnerships, it's very much one-to-one. It's about company A building a one-to-one relationship with very specific suppliers, whereas in ecosystems, you're talking about bringing a couple of different organizations together to work on something. It might be a company and a couple of their suppliers. It could also be some regulatory bodies because they're going to need some help to bring whatever innovation it is that they have to market. 
it could potentially even be working with some governments because they need some kind of help in that regard. So I think that that for me was one of the first points around why are ecosystems different. The second criteria I had was that ecosystems don't exist for a certain goal. They're ever evolving and building. And this builds into Simon Sinek's view of infinite versus finite games. So for example, you know, I know we all like to hold the challenge to go to the moon as this big, amazing thing. We talk about moon shots, but that was actually a finite game because the US government was really specific about getting to the moon. But then what happens? That innovation, what? It gets disbanded. That group gets disbanded because now you've achieved your goal. Whereas an infinite game is more about what could we achieve if we can do these things? So sticking with the space theme would be Elon Musk wanting to create reusable rockets, right? And suddenly the possibilities, once you have reusable rockets, are infinite. Yes, it means that we might be able to get to the moon, but what else might we be able to achieve? And I can't imagine SpaceX ceasing to exist or ceasing to innovate or ceasing to pioneer and want to be on the sort of frontier of space travel once they have managed to get people to Mars. And so I think that that's also a really important part of ecosystems is that it's not about building these relationships with a bunch of other people to only deliver one specific innovation or bring one thing to the market. It's about finding a way of working and collaborating together to really explore multiple possibilities. And then the final piece about that, which I've already alluded to, is that they're evolving and they become self-sustaining. Yes, at the beginning, you probably have a champion for the ecosystem. You have the company that's bringing everybody together. But from the point that you figure out how this thing is working, everybody is an equal partner and everybody is codependent. For that reason, too, they should become self-governing. Whether that is the case, I don't have the answer yet. I don't, you know, I haven't seen ecosystems exist for long enough to, to understand if that is the case. But that's absolutely the vision. I'm thinking of it as a, an equal network, basically. It's not about exactly. one selling to the other. It's about the transfer of information in both directions and we're back to that sort of mutual benefit it almost reflects on societal goals doesn't it in terms of how organizations govern themselves but I really like the second point there about not having that goal and again I think running your innovation program or running your uh, alliances with with that mentality is really interesting but I think there's a metaphor for life there as well isn't there because you know when we work towards a goal and you see this with a lot of entrepreneurs they get to that goal and all of a sudden it's not as glorious as they thought and they're going whatever next and it it just sounds to me as if there's some parallels there Mm -hmm. in terms of that evolving enjoy the journey and if you continue to be aware and present in the journey it will lead to good things so I find that fascinating and I'm I'm really pleased you've explained that to me because I was starting to get lost in ecosystem as simply a word yeah a title for things rather than a whole set of different things to understand. So I think I need to go away and do a little bit bit more research on that to, to get anywhere near up to your level of understanding. <laughs> but an MBA, how long did that take? It was two years part-time and I did it whilst I was at Unilever. I loved it. You know, I think a lot of people do MBAs 
because they they are expecting that it's going to help them get a promotion or start earning more money or you know there's there's often quite a again that finite goal <laughs> but for me it was it, the reason why I did it was infinite um i think the immediate need was credibility i really wanted something behind my name that just made me feel more confident that i knew what i was talking about but more so than that it was just that i love learning you know i think i'm a sort of a, a lifetime student to a certain degree i found it incredibly stimulating and it also gave me a bit of a purpose you know to be really honest it is ultimately what enabled me to start my company because out of my dissertation and research on ecosystems came the inspiration for supplier day yeah i think um i agree with that i love learning the old every day is a school day you know if you keep yourself keep yourself open to new ideas and it's almost like let innovation in and then who knows where that gets to so yeah i think that's really interesting i think there's got to be a book in there somewhere hasn't there whilst ecosystems is is so popular at the moment <laughs> Is there enough for a book yet? A book is in the works. I will say I'm really struggling to balance it out with building a company. Um, but I'm on part two of it right now. So hopefully I can get to the end of it pretty soon. Classic juggling for time. I think we can all um, associate with that, can't we? Yes. We've touched on agility as well. And my next question was around agility. And I think we've mentioned it several times. And that's why I know that it sort of all flows together. But... Uh, I love talking to customers about it, especially the the big companies. I, I often goad them with um, you know, the small versus big company approach to what agility really is. And I talk about the, the sort of old fashioned definition of agility versus the modern way of we talk about it as a framework and everything else. So one of our customers, they started adopting agility and the language around it and organizing themselves in that way. Mm quite a number of years ago and they sort of took that approach as a forerunner for moving to a more digital world they became agile first and that opened them up to go on that digital transformation journey but that was quite unique because when I've seen it in other large organizations they're sort of going the other way they're embracing the digital transformation and really attacking that with a view that it helps them become more agile once they've got the tools. So it looks like a bit of a chicken and egg to me. And I don't know, it's too early to tell which approach is going to be better. But I wanted to see how you feel about those different approaches to agile Mm -hmm. from big companies and focusing really outside the tech department, because we know they've been doing agile really well. Mm -hmm. But as these other areas come into it, you know, how are they getting on? Who's doing it well? What does it look like for you? It's a really interesting question, and I've, I've never pondered it before. What I can share is, you know, Unilever was exploring Agile to help them with their digital transformation. And you're 100% right, it is a bit of a chicken and the egg scenario. And again, I think that things like digital transformation mean something different and look something different for every single company. The digital transformation at Unilever was more so about actually becoming really good digital marketing practitioners because they are basically a big branding company, right? So it was about bringing that branding expertise into the world of digital and being able to now communicate with their consumers via digital means. 
And so I think that from that perspective, there was very much the need to become more agile. One of the things that I quickly realized at Unilever, and it is what guided the work that I did there, was the difference between agile, the methodology, which is your scrums, it's your sprints, it's your stand-ups, it's your retrospectives, it's all of you know those good things, versus agile, the mindset. And I think that this is often the mistake that large organizations make is that they think that agile, the methodology will result in agile, the mindset, but actually you've got to focus on the mindset first. Again, I do think that this comes back to corporate mindset, which is, well, if we have the process and we follow the process exactly how they tell us to, then we'll achieve our goals. If we follow the innovation process, then we will have an innovation by the end of it, which sadly isn't the case, because if it was, I think everybody would find their work a lot easier. Rather, what you've got to do is focus on that mindset around, honestly, being agile. And again, you know, I don't think that there is a a specific definition of what being agile is. And whether you are in a startup or whether you are in a corporate, you should probably ask you and your team what being agile means to them. Is it about being really flexible with how it is that you're choosing to approach something? Is it about being flexible with what you're trying to achieve? And I would encourage you to really dig below the surface a little bit. What it resulted for in one of our teams at Unilever was they came out with a list of kind of principles or values and behaviors around how they were going to work together. And it all kind of stemmed from this mindset of being agile, not being so stuck, not being so stubborn. And it was amazing to see how as soon as the team had started to define those principles and how they wanted to approach working together, agile, the methodology just fell into place. Because now people understood why they needed to have a daily stand-up. They understood why they needed to spend two hours a week just talking about what work they were going to do, as opposed to just going and getting the work done. They wanted to hold retrospectives because now they were committing to a constant improvement of how they were working. And so that was really cool to see. Yeah, I love that reduction to mindset versus methodology. I'm there thinking, right, it's the mindset bit that I like. Let's let's reclaim the word agile when we're talking about the mindset and not just the methodology. But I think you then explained how one can lead to the other and they're not mutually exclusive. So that's an, an interesting position. I love I love the way you said as well that there's a there's people out there that think if you stick rigidly to this methodology, you will become agile, which in itself is a self it's a self defeating concept, that isn't it? Yeah. Um, it was really funny. I would see teams go off for their morning stand up and go, We're being agile <laughs> <laughs> and I just I giggled because I go, oh yes, look, aren't you? <laughs> it's a great subject. Like you say, these words creep into our mindset and our everyday working lives, ecosystems and agile. And we're all using the words and it means different things to different people. I think starting to scratch be- beneath the surface to what it really means and how it really affects your behavior and mindset is is really valuable and it, it's the stuff that I really enjoy talking about. Mm, mm. We could probably explore each of these subjects in much further depth and um, I'll certainly be keeping an eye on your activity online and the things that you're talking about 
going forward because you, you're touching on some fascinating topics from some really good angles. So I look forward to more of that. I've just got some sort of quick fire questions to take you through as well. Are there any companies that you're aware of that you think we should be keeping our eyes on, particularly around innovation? What's looking exciting over the coming months? You know what? I would say Siemens, and they are one of our customers. And what we're actually doing at the moment is building a system around enabling innovation with their suppliers. And I think that that's really exciting. I cannot wait to see what we produce off the back of it. So honestly, look out for Siemens. They have an amazing approach and mindset to innovation and building relationships in order to power it. And I think we can all learn a little bit from it. Wow, that's a brilliant answer. Not the one you'd expect. You know, you think you're mentioning a, you think you might mention a disruptor and someone that's coming coming out of the sort of um, startup scene. But to mention a big big organisation like that, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely keep an eye on those. It's hard to avoid them in in our industry. So uh, yeah. yeah, I'll be keeping up to date with that for sure. So next question: What's the main thing you've learned from working for yourself as a, as a startup? Oh, good question. I think the number one thing I've learned is having absolute faith in yourself. And you've really got to do a lot of work on knowing exactly what it is that you want so that you can drive that vision forward. And in order to do that, I think that you've got to have boundaries around who you share with and who you go to for advice. That's a fantastic answer. That that is a really difficult question. So sorry, sorry to put you on spot, but yeah, faith in yourself, I think, um, that goes without saying that's a fantastic thing to be focused on. Lastly, who inspires you professionally? I'll go back to Elon Musk. You know, he's a, a bit of a polarizing figure and there's absolutely things that he doesn't say that I don't agree with. But in terms of someone who has a vision and is going to get there, regardless of what other people tell him, I just absolutely admire that. And I also think that he is an exemplary figure for the infinite game and the infinite mindset. You know, you see it in things like how Tesla has published all of their patents because to Elon Musk, it's it's not about, you know, Tesla being the most successful EV company. It's about bringing electric vehicles to the mass market. And if he can help other car manufacturers do the same thing by sharing his patents, that's what he's going to do. And again, the same thing with things like reusable rockets, getting to Mars, allowing people to pay for cars for for their rockets using blockchain. He's just really open to all of the possibilities out there. And I think we need to see more leaders taking those risks. I agree. I've I've warmed to him. I wasn't a fan initially, but as things start to come to fruition, it, it really does look like he's, he's sort of seeing through on on all the talk, really. Great answer and obviously ties really well in with, with everything that we've been talking about today. So just really pleased to have had this time with you, Caitlin, and I think some great answers and some great topics for conversation there. So very much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for listening to ASM Connected, the podcast from ASM Technologies with guest Caitlin Lewis. If you've enjoyed this episode, subscribe now to make sure you never miss an update and check out the other episodes in the series featuring key speakers, futurists and business leaders from across the globe. 
And to find out more about the team at ASM Technologies or about anything discussed in the podcast, visit asmtech.com. This is ASM Connected.